Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sin the Masters Podcast. Miller and I'm Tyler Crouch. Uh, yeah, just a quick note at the beginning here. Uh, apologies for the lateness um, of this episode. It's coming out at a week and maybe a day late, but that's because I moved halfway across the country and was packing up and everything prior to that. So, apologies. And also, I'm working with a whole new setup for recording, so things might not be as smooth as before. Hopefully they will. Uh, we shall see. Um, anyways, let's get started with some trailers. Tyler, yes. what do you have for us? Okay, well, <clears throat> I have some Marvel news. Uh, phase 3, uh Doctor Strange specifically, uh, the director has been announced, and it is the director, uh, his name is Scott Derrickson. He has directed, uh, he was most known for uh, Sinister. Um, so he will be taking uh, the helm. A director for Ant-Man after the whole uh, kind of departure of Edgar Wright over some stuff that we really don't know. They said it's script rewrites and stuff like that, but no one really knows for sure. So he'll be directing that, and that movie is supposed to be coming out uh, in about 2017. And then also on the rumor front, uh, just as he was uh, announced to direct, Jared Leto might be playing Doctor Strange himself, Stephen Strange. Um, I'm really excited about that. I love Jared Leto. I loved him in Dallas Buyers Club. He was great. Uh, he's a great actor in general. He's a great musician. I think he's just a great human being in general. I mean, he's got a, he's done a lot of stuff. But so that's that's my news slash rumor uh, for today. Sweet. Um, okay. Jared Leto is pretty strange looking. <laughs> I think sure. I think he I think he could pull it off. I think so fashion. too. After. DBC, as they call it in the hood. And you know, and the rumors were that Johnny Depp might be playing Doctor Strange, but I would, I'd rather see Jared Leto take the role. Yeah. They'd have to spend a shitload of money to get him. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Andrew, what do you have? Uh, more Star Wars casting news. Uh, we heard about a couple weeks ago uh, after the big casting announcement that they were going to hold off a couple more names, uh, possibly female, for a couple more roles. And uh, yesterday we got the 
release of that information. One of them surprising, one of them not so much. Uh, the surprising one would be Gwendolyn Christie, who plays, uh, I'm going to screw up the pronunciation, but Brienne of Tar- Tarth. Yes, yep. Brienne of Tarth. Of Tarth on uh, Game of Thrones. Uh, the six foot three, very, very imposing actress. Uh, again, we do not know who she's playing, as we don't know who really anyone is playing at this point. Uh, but uh, that's an interesting, definitely uh, good casting call. Uh, it's it, it's also just from a nerd standpoint, fun to bridge those two worlds, even mm-hmm. though I mean, this doesn't really mean anything, but to watch it, I would imagine, uh, from a nerd perspective, is pretty amusing. Uh, it's possible that people are saying that she's either going to be, based on her sort of imposing features, she's either going to be a villain, a sort of like work for hire villain, or possibly a a uh, very technical captain, a uh, Mon Mothma, if you will. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And then the other casting is uh, Lupita Nyong'o, who had been rumored for a while. She uh, played uh, Patsy in um, 12 Years a Slave. Uh, if you've seen that movie, you know that she's unbelievable as an actress. Uh, and uh, this is great news that she's being brought in here. I, I just pray to God that she's going to be given material that she can work with as opposed to being sort of pushed to the side. Uh, again, we don't know who she's playing, but it's definitely great to see that she's uh, going to be involved here. Well, the first rumor was that she was she was going to play a descendant of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, right. Which, yeah, I mean, all that. Yeah. I guess it, it, it could make sense in a way, but it couldn't. So, I mean, maybe they'll go away. Or And then another rumor was but that she's supposed to play a Sith, one of the, the lead female Sith warriors. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I'm, again, it's, it's all speculation at this yeah, it's point. All, it's all up in the air. Yeah. Um, but either way, I, th- I think they're both great actresses. Um, yes. And I'm yeah. glad that they're a part of it. So, yay. Yeah, I approve of both of those. Uh, okay, mine's going to be a little more heavy, a little less of just, yay, casting. Um, so, since we're talking about X-Men today, I uh, figured I'd bring up Brian Singer and his recent legal issues. Uh because it also mirrors one of my favorite bands lead singers the lost prophets uh their singer ian watkins eventually uh, it dragged on for like a year but he eventually pled guilty to 13 charges including the attempted rape and sexual assault of a child under 13 and was subsequently sentenced to 29 years in prison and then six years on top of that on extended license which I'm not sure what that means. I guess that's kind of like probation uh, in Britain. And uh, as everyone knows, Brian Singer had the date rape allegations of a couple young teenagers back in the 90s. He was able to walk. Uh, There was insufficient evidence from what I can gather on all of that. But it brings the question, like, how does their personal lives affect our enjoyment of what they create? Like, Lost Prophets is one of my favorite bands. Uh, Their album, 
what's it called? Uh, nah, blanking. Give me one second here. Liberation Transmission is one of my top ten albums of all time that I can listen to over and over again, anytime, any day. And now it's got this, you know, fog around it of this guy is a sick motherfucker, uh, for lack of more polite terms. So, like, should we let that ruin the media for us? Should we let that ruin our experience and our enjoyment of all these things? Or is that something... I remember in sixth grade or in high school, they taught us the air quotes, death of the author theory of analyzing novels. Like is is the death of the author kind of the way you should look at entertainment? I mean, clearly it it hasn't affected days of future past whatsoever. Right. Um, And I, I think, uh, with him, I, I believe it's probably going to tarnish him and probably some of their music because he did, in fact, plead guilty. Um, yeah. Well, I think it, I think it. Yeah, I think it's a little different from if you're if you're thought to do such a crime or do something heinous, and then get. Uh, uh, what's the word? Reprieve. Convicted. Or no, the other, the other when you the get um, yeah, yeah. Uh, non not convicted uh but yeah you know what i mean and then you have a better you, you come out of in a better light in your but i mean if you do get in fact convicted then you're it's going to affect you and affect what you've done in your in your future and in your past i think i don't think it's just conviction i think even if you get off there's always going to be a stain there yeah just by the way uh culture works there'll always be a sort of well but you know i mean like there's always like there's a bigger stain sure yeah like you're still you're still gonna have people who are gonna be like oh i don't want i don't like what he did or i don't even like that he was even accused of it so i'm not gonna do it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give him my support or give them my support well i can say from uh, experience that there was a time where my family at least my immediate family, like father and mother, just stopped, just promised that they were just not going to give any money to Mel Gibson. Yeah. Uh, my family, and I followed suit for a while, but then just stopped. Now, my reason behind that was as simple as that it, it, I understand the idea between not giving money, like to not actually support. Uh, a person who you don't agree with or has committed bad crimes, but there's also uh, one. There's also so many people on staff who have worked on whatever project mm-hmm. you're, you know, mm-hmm. you are dealing with. Uh, and two, uh, it, it just felt—I don't know—it it felt kind of hypocritical to me, simply because I don't research this for every project I do. I don't know if there are certain. It, it I, I, I don't know. It, it'd be like if it, it's kind of thing where people deal with something maybe involving uh, Chick-fil-A and people stop eating at Chick-fil-A, which is understandable. But at the same time, I don't when I go to McDonald's or other restaurants, I don't do research prior to going there on what the politics is of the owners. 
I'm kind of now, does that make me oblivious? Yeah, it kind of does. Um, but that's just sort of how I go about my time of picking whatever product I'm, I'm dealing with, be it entertainment, food, what, whatnot. And so I think it's, I think it's understandable to not want to support, uh, somebody when they do something horrible, like Brian Singer might've done, but at the same time, I think it's also generally limiting if it's a larger project. That being said, from a psychological standpoint, it's hard to, uh, separate Mm -hmm. just because even if you love the product and you acknowledge that it is separate from the actual person who made it, you have to assume that that person's morals or at least vision was in like influenced the product you like. And so I think inherently there's going to be a part of your brand thinking like, well, I like this product and yet this person has these bad morals and was able to create this thing that I liked. And that kind of, I think would cause some form of a dissonance in your, in your head. I know it's a complex question. I think the biggest one I can think of is Roman Polanski. Yeah. In terms of a legendary director who uh, was charged for uh, underage sex with a, a uh, girl. And, uh, you know, he's considered probably one of the best directors ever, or at least up there. And uh, his reputation has been very much tainted. There are people who still not, you know, will not work with him. But then there are others who happily will work with them. I guess yeah. the point is, is he still not just, allowed in this country? Sucks. He's is he not allowed? Yeah, yeah, he can't. He comes here. Yeah, yeah. He gets arrested. Yeah. Okay. cool good yeah it's just it's been something i'm struggling with like for the longest time i couldn't listen to their music i would skip over it and then i a couple weeks ago i put in their cd and i was listening to it and i was like this is still good music i still enjoy listening to it it sucks that the lead singer is you know a child molester yeah. uh, but i think the yeah, is, sorry, no. You know, he is going to be in jail for 29 years. But he's getting what he's deserved. Yeah. So. It's, I not think like, it's not like he got off or anything. And, you know, yeah. like Andrew said, I mean, like you guys said, uh, there's a lot of people working on it as well. I mean, his his band members who basically disowned him. Yeah, pretty much. And they they're, they separated from anything that they did. Um, and you're right. And, and, you know, one of one of my favorite songs, Last Train Home. Um by them because when I whenever I heard it I think it was on NFL Street was the first time I ever heard it um, playing that game and I and I love that song and you know but I mean like I said he's he's gone away and for a long time and so you can't really punish him punish the band itself when they're one lead when they're one person fucked up and did something really shitty like disgusting shitty so pretty much the worst thing you could do yes. i think there's no right answer i think that's the like yeah i, I, I think i totally think understand it's, it's 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 everybody's feelings and how I they flip flop and it makes either sense either i fully understand like taking a very strict moral standing i do not want to be associated with anyone who does that but i can also see that being like well i gotta separate the art from the person i mean it's it's yeah yeah, just basically that what Andrew said that if 
if you're just blind to the fact and you're just all for the art, then you're you're in the wrong. You have to at least acknowledge it. And don't be acknowledge ignorant. It. Yeah, yeah I, don't be ignorant to the fact of what happened. But I could see you flip flopping on the on the subject just because it's uh, there is no right answer. I would say on on what what approach you should take. Yeah, fair. I w- I would second that. Just sucks. People are idiots. Yeah. There's no good. Yeah. And people are fucking sick too. So. Like that douchebag. something arguably a little less painful arguably <laughs> yeah. amazing spider-man 2 um, yeah and tyler do you want to introduce us to this movie <clears throat> okay yeah i can let me let me pull okay amazing spider-man 2 Directed by Mark Webb. Uh, it's the second in the supposed trilogy, maybe quadrilogy, of the Amazing Spider-Man uh, series starring Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone. Uh, basically, this takes place after the events of the Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Peter Parker runs the gauntlet as a mysterious company, Oscorp, sends up a slew of super villains against him impacting his life. Um, that's kind of the, the, the tagline, but uh, basically what it is, is Norman Osborn uh, had this rare disease that him and Harry had, and he ends up dying uh, and calls Harry home from wherever he was at, at I guess, a school. And Harry re- found, finds out that he has the same uh, genetic disorder and he wants to meet Spider-Man, but on top of that, because I mean, with this movie we had we have a, we had a lot of villains in this movie, uh, yeah. kind of maybe let, let maybe, maybe too say, many. Let me say firstly, there's no shot in hell that that guy's dead. He's not dead. Yeah, I don't think he's dead no, either. No, no not a chance. But but he died in the movie, quote unquote, died. So, um, 
but and uh but let me digress a little bit back uh to max dylan who plays elect who is the villain uh electro he's played by jamie fox uh he is a lowly electrical worker within uh oscorp and no one really knows his name he meets spider-man one day falls in love with spider-man basically has this huge uh obsession with him and uh then he gets electrocuted with the electric eels and turns into electro and really honestly i as me as like as i'm talking about i'm just everything that's like convoluted in my mind what's going on in this movie um so basically he turns into electro harry tries to find spider-man to give him his blood uh Peter Parker wouldn't do it because he didn't want Harry to have his blood because he didn't know what it would do to it. Um, then you have the subplot of Harry of uh, Peter Parker's parents uh, having coming up with the the strain of the DNA. Uh, what was it again? It was the oh to the genetics for the the spiders. Um, and basically, and then it's just the love story of how. Peter promised uh, Gwen's dad that he would leave her alone, but he didn't leave her alone. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to leave you alone again. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go to London. Hey, I'm going to follow you to London. Then all hell breaks loose. Peter fights Electro. And then Harry turns into Green Goblin. Hold uh, on, hold on, hold on. Spoiler at this point. Spoiler at this point. For um, a movie yeah. that's been out for a month. Yeah. yeah and, if and if you're listening but... to this podcast, you'll see it in the title that we were talking about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're in this late. deep, you're, it's kind of yeah. your fault at this point. You're too, you're too late. You're too late. Um, it's too late to apologize anyway. Um, so they fight each other. I don't know. I know I'm just butcher, butchering this, but it's, no, really, not. it's no, all convoluted. You you're fine. It's, it's all convoluted in my brain. <laughs> so Peter fights Electro, defeats Electro. And then all of a sudden, uh, Harry comes in, catches up, uh, picks up Gwen Stacy. They fight on this tower. Uh, Peter thinks he defeats him, uh, but he does. And then Gwen is falling. He catches her. But then the, the gears in the clock tower break, and Gwen falls to her death, untimely death. Which, honestly, if you read the comics, if you're a Spider-Man fan, you knew this was coming. And then you have all that, and 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 what's what's kind of sad is the last two Spider-Man ended like all the Spider-Man movies have ended with funeral scenes basically, in the whole entire franchise, except for two, except for Spider-Man Two. Um, but it ended with a death. Yeah, it ended with a death, but not necessarily a fun- funeral scene. Um, but and then you have that, and then Peter Parker's so really distraught. Uh, and but then he realizes, hey, because he goes on a sabbatical, I think for like six months, and then he realizes, hey, New York needs me, and then all of a sudden you see Rhino coming out of nowhere, and we'll get into little details and all, but and that's basically how the movie ended. And I think Phil was it Philip Phillips song playing Gone 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 during the last Probably. of that movie. I don't I don't I like that song, but maybe we can play it. But uh, and that's basically spider-man 2 amazing spider-man 2 yeah as much as it sounded convoluted coming out of my mouth it's what the movie seemed like it's very convoluted 
I'll give you that. Um, I'll take this first, unless Tyler, how do you feel about this movie? Are you plus minus? I'm like neutral. I'm like I'm like a little above in the plus. I mean, there was things that I really did like about the film, but then there was things that I didn't like about the film. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. So yeah, I'll go ahead and jump on it. Uh, baseline is this movie lacked one thing that could have fixed the entire movie, in my opinion. And that thing that it was lacking is subtlety. There is zero subtlety in this movie. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it. I was hoping to see it again before I we podcasted about it so that I could get a second viewing. But that just didn't happen. I didn't have time and everything. So, yeah, subtlety. If this movie had subtlety, it could have pulled through and been a lot more on the positive for me. That being said, the first 15 minutes of this movie was the perfect Spider-Man for me. You've got Spider-Man swinging around, being goofy, you know, fighting a villain, and being late for stuff, which just happens to be Gwen Stacy's speech at their graduation. 100% Spider-Man straight from the comics. And then they just go so far everywhere they go so fast too it's not even it's not Mm -hmm. even a it's not even a build up going into the far it's just they they're running right out of the gates yeah his ringtone is his theme song uh yep i do not accept that exactly that is the subtlety i'm talking about yeah but i feel like that's something peter parker would do anyway kind of you know, I mean, it, different. If the Spider-Man the theme existed in the world of Spider-Man, which it yeah. definitely shouldn't, and the nod to it in the first trilogy, forget which movie it was, but that that was okay because it was, you know, subtle. It was that out was of the way, and they didn't focus on it. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Uh, this movie just takes everything and makes the entire world as goofy as Spider-Man. The Max Dillon character before he becomes Electro, ridiculous. 100% straight out of the 90s. I think that's something Andrew posted on Facebook. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Absurd. But but I don't, I I think you've hit on something and it's absolutely true that it's not subtle, but I don't think it's just that. I think it's bipolar in that it's silly like that, but then it's super serious other times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Super duper serious, and it does not fit with at all. And then other times it's like a slapstick comedy, and then other times it's like a teenage romance, and then other times it's like a mystery movie, and other times it's a father and son story. Uh, and, and then it's a ghost and story. None of the tones work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I agree with none of them. Most of them don't work how they wanted them to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there there was things that did work, like 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 uh, Daniel said, the first fifteen minutes was great. It, it was everything you ever wanted in a Spider-Man film. I mean, you want a giant, really badly shot fight in a plane <laughs> with the parents that nobody gives a shit about. Well, not, no, I'm I'm just I'm, saying, like, yeah, I kind of forgot Parker, about that part. I'm Spider-Man. talking the Spider-Man first yeah. fifteen minutes. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, and you see, you see uh, Paul Giamatti, you know, and it's kind of funny because he loved the Rhino growing up, and that's why he wanted to be a part of the film. That's why he wanted to do Rhino. By the way, there's a line in that first scene in the plane where the parents are there, and one of the parents says, our lives as we know it are over. And I, and I like, lost it. <laughs> You're just like, I know I'm in for a ride now. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. I mean, they could have they could have dealt without all the parent stuff because the comic books never explored that, right? Uh, as far as I know, if they did, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, but I mean, I love Andrew Garfield as Peter Parker and Spider Man. I mean, I do like him. I you know, I love Tobey Maguire from Spider Man Two. That that's still my favorite one. Spider Man Two from the original trilogy far and beyond the best spider-man film out of out of so far but i do like i do what i like what andrew garfield brings to the spider-man role so yeah i I stand by my statement that the casting is better across the board except for aunt may and people we haven't seen yet uh and i think shailene woodley is gonna do a good job as uh mary jane watson if she's still in they said she was but, even in spider-man but i mean she cut they cut her out the yeah. only reason they cut her they cut her out is because they felt like it would have been even more yeah comp- i'm glad they more did compact yeah i'm glad they took her out too because it, how could you have someone there and then gwen state like the biggest thing is gwen stacy's death you're just gonna bring a girl right into that it, i mean that's comic books but to a viewer Here's the problem that I have with Andrew Garfield, and it's it, and it's not as much his fault as it is the writing. Mm-hmm. But I will say, as an actor, he goes in and out of a New York accent all the time in that movie, and I don't know why. Uh, but if you listen, he'll like put on an accent once in a while, especially when he's talking to his mother. Uh, but the main problem I have with it, and the way he plays it, is I know that Spider-Man's supposed to be at least when he's when he's in the outfit you know he's letting his he's his 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 id of sorts he's uh behind the mask he could be the person that he he wants to be the more cool kid but in no way outside of when when he's in normal peter parker gear do i feel like he's at all like a loner of he seems like a fucking like like fucking superhero to me (laughs) like that kid that kid never got beat up or like had anything wrong with him I just don't like. I, I understand that. I remember when when I was uh, reading interviews about the first Amazing Spider-Man. The director was explaining like, you know, nerds nowadays. Uh, you, this idea of the nerd is so much different than it was when the comic book first came out. Yet you know, nerds are not necessarily so antisocial or really like stereotypical nerdy. They can be cool too. They can listen to cool albums, and he has all those. You know, he's a poster of the Antonioni film and his room blow up and all this other stuff. And that might be true, but to me it gets away from the heart of why I love Spider-Man in that I, he inherently as Peter Parker feels kind of lost and kind of like a loser a lot. Like we all feel. And I just never got that sense at all with the way he performed in this movie. I like, I think his, his, his chemistry with Emma Stone is great. I think that's easily the best thing about, well, they are dating. Movie. They are dating, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would hope they have good chemistry. <laughs> Wouldn't you be? The man, Peter Parker in the first 
scene you see of Peter Parker in this new movie, he he runs up on stage where he gets his diploma, and he like like does a like a like raises his arms in the air, then makes out with the class valedictorian while everyone applauds. What Spider Man is this? That's a valid point. That's a very and the rest point. of the movie, he's just strutting around. If you watch the way he walks, like everything, he's strutting around. He's he's happy. He's he's even in Spider Man Three, as problematic as it was, that Peter Parker when he was like happy was still nerdy as shit. Like he was still like he did he didn't he did not wear it well. Like a popular Peter Parker and a happy Peter Parker did not necessarily fit him. Yeah. I mean at least with Toby Maguire, he he was he started out as a loner and stayed basically a, a loner and a kind of a nerd. And I'm fine with there being middle ground, but I feel yeah. like they, Andrew Garfield played it way and again it's not he's a great actor, don't get me wrong. I love him. So I blame completely Mark Webb for that. Yeah. yeah. And the writing. Definitely uh, script. What problems? Yeah. Uh but I yeah, it just there, I'll say this. There are a couple of moments that, uh, where it is like I like the way that he talked to Electro when they first met, mm-hmm. like, um, or even better when he was trying to calm him down. That was that was well done. And that I would entire also, maybe, scene was incredible, except for the abrupt change in right. Electro's. The very first, yeah, like, like was good. I, yeah, like his his like sudden bipolar change. I was like, you, why why do that? I mean, because he loved Spider Man, and Spider Man was literally trying to help him. And then he's like, oh, I would screw you, Spider Man. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're stealing to, my spotlight. Just to put this on the line is to be establish something that I hate this movie. Just the, sorry, just to, as as you can't tell already, I think it's a piece of crap. But. <laughs> Like, also, one of Electro's powers, apparently, is he throws quips. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, that's how electricity works. Uh... The, I'm going to use an example, because I was watching the movie, and this, to me, summed up one of the, the... There are two scenes that I can think of that I thought summed up how sort of bad and what a mess this movie was. And the first one that I remember was where... Uh, Norman is talking to to Harry. Okay, so the setup here is uh, Harry has been out of the country for years. We don't know how long, I don't think, but a very a long time. It's been a while since he's seen Peter Parker, so we assume he's been traveling for a long, long time. And he's just found out, and the reason he's come home is that his father is sick and probably going to die. Right? So as an audience, we are witnessing two things. One, we are being shown... Norman Osmond for the first time and we're being shown Harry for the first time and we've been told that the this is a a rough relationship but we have not seen any of it this is the introduction to both characters so what happens in that scene is Harry goes and sits down next to Norman and Norman's like oh I wish you were a better son and it immediately starts like an argument and Harry's like fuck you screw you 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 never listen to me and all you did was your research and then immediately after it, he's like, I did the research to you because you have a disease. <laughs> and then he, he like passes out. So the reason that I use this as an example of how crappy this movie is, is that 
that scene should have played because we've never seen either character before as a example of our of the relation the strain relationship between them. And yet what it does is as convoluted as this movie's plot is, it immediately throws that aside and gives you a twist of a relationship we, we didn't even get a chance to set yet. And the twist is no, but I did it to save you. What, like, how as an audience should we find that at all interesting when we literally haven't met these characters before? It's like you're giving me three different turns of emotion in one scene between two characters I've never seen before. I agree with that. That's fair. And the movie was full of that all the time. Because <laughs> there's just not- so, so much. It'd be <clears throat> the other example I'll use is the scene where he's in his room and it turns into a 90s teenage comedy where he starts putting pictures of his dad everywhere and that song comes on. Uh, I forgot what song it was. It's a good song, but it's a song that in no way fits in a superhero movie whatsoever. And he does the thing that I even like stood up in my seat and was like, don't you, don't do that. Where he starts playing the song on his iPod and then he puts it on his his earphones on and then the song turns in from non-diegetic to diegetic and he starts putting up pictures and it just felt it, it is totally just un just completely out of place. Like I it, like if you saw that scene and I didn't know it was Spider Man, that would be from a completely different film. Yeah. And then of course he finds out about his dad and that subplot gets you know thrown aside. Minutes later, after he finds the the train, yeah, which I thought the train was kind of cool. I mean, I thought that was kind of, I was expecting the wall to open up, um, and then it come out of the ground. I thought that, but still, like I said, the parents, the parents subplot was kind of. It's still, why? Why is it? I really like the fact that it exists. I really hate that they didn't do it very well. Yeah. Like I was super interested the after the first one's like, oh man, they're gonna do some crazy dark conspiracy, uh, with his parents because we've never seen that before. That's cool. That's new. It's fresh. And then they're like, yeah, we're just gonna do what you probably thought we were gonna do, where they're in tr- or they they created the spider serum or the crazy spiders that made spider-man all right uh for the sake of moving things along let's talk a couple more points and then move on to x-men uh big ones i want to discuss visually andrew i want to know what you thought like i i think he's an awful action director that's i think he works well when it's uh again a teenage comedy where it's just the two main characters talking anywhere else he he to me just does not know one how to shoot action and two he just doesn't know a tone he can he, he does not know what tone this movie is unlike Raimi who can feel the Raimi-ness on everything he just does not have a handle on what he's supposed to be doing yeah this tried to be Raimi and Dark Knight at the same time and didn't get didn't go far enough to do either and it just ended up a muddy mess yeah and uh yeah he's the yeah yeah i mean even when i can't i I don't even know what his thought was directing the uh um harry osborne at the end 
again, again, we were told that this is his. This was Peter was his best friend, and they just met each other. And so Harry Osborn gets the serum and then sees him with uh, Gwen Stacy and realizes that that he was lying and he was Peter Parker. And what is his reaction? It's not a betrayal. There's no. There's not even a second of him being like, "How dare you!" He immediately laughed and go laughs and goes, "I'm gonna kill her." Where where is the the betrayal or anything of the best friend being lied to? We get none of that. Yeah. Yeah, again, the lack of any subtlety. It's just, oh, he's good. Oh, he's starting to be sick. Oh, he's the Green Goblin. And as a director, you don't have to. I mean, the script is bad enough, but as a director, you can at least try to have him play that a little bit. Showed him Mm -hmm. his face, a couple twists, like just a brief moment if you have to. Yeah. And then, okay, so directing wise wasn't very good i thought the uh visual effects were pretty cool uh yeah electro was cool electro I, loved, was I loved when beautiful. they were fighting when they're fighting through the electrical plant the circuit and even even when electro in the in the city like in the mm-hmm. downtown Man, uh, manhattan or times square or whatever wherever it was i thought that was awesome looking yeah, if you okay. put it on mute and don't hear the freaking power plant seeing itsy bitsy spider yeah. yeah. Oh, that pissed me off. <laughs> the world is not Spider-Man. Spider-Man is goofy. Spider-Man seeing Itsy Bitsy Spider, sure. And, again, it's something that they used in the first one where Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin was seeing Itsy Bitsy yeah. Spider. But the That's world is not Spider-Man. Yeah. The villains doing something occasionally goofy like that, I'm okay with. The world itself should not do anything like that. Also, again, to shit pile on this movie even more, it is some of the worst <laughs> score and music I've ever heard in a big budget movie. This I'm against you awful. on. At first, I was like, oh, electronic music. Yeah, he's electro. We get it. Ha, ha, ha. But then I realized, like, I could see not liking it, uh, but it's also not something I've ever seen before or heard before in any movie ever. Like the his the inner, his monologue, inner monologue, yeah, yeah, his inner monologue being part of the score, as I it was interesting. It was new. It was again. It was fresh. It, the choice was good. Uh, execution maybe not as much. That that's where I'll leave that though. Um, and then how did you enjoy the, her death? Let, let's just cut to it. That was the only moment I actually thought was the only moment almost in the entire movie where I was impressed was the way they actually shot her death was brutal. So I'll give them that. I still, I was still up in the air. Oh, sorry for interrupting. No, 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 that's it. No, I I was still up in the air whether, cause I mean, I knew the, the, the death of Gwen Stacy was going to happen. I mean, I, I mean, or that, that's what the plot line was. Um, cause out of the comic books, but I was still up in the air on whether they were going to keep her alive. Cause there were rumors that he, she was going to stay alive and it was going to be, yeah, the Tyler, it was, she gives a speech in the beginning of the movie that might as well be subtitled. I'm going to die at the end of this movie. That's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you have any doubts going in within 20 minutes, you should know. Yeah. That speech was god awful. Oh my god. Who makes a speech like, okay, never mind. Sorry. It's going to just... <laughs> Yeah. And uh, but, I mean, like, but I was still hoping on that she was going to be alive, but just like the her that that death scene, the whole scene I thought was tremendous too. Like Andrew said, it was I, I liked it. It was brutal. That was really well done. That's the it, one. And it, and it was really heart it was really emotional too. Like it really you 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 see her snap back and at on the ground you don't know if she hit her head or not you know you you can't you you can't tell if she did survive or die um but i mean that that probably was the most emotional most uh the biggest payoff of the film i think for me right but then out of everything else and then they gloss over everything else right well, no, not just that. Then it, it feels like they, they, it, it, that that is such an emotional and important part of his character, and yet the movie resolves it by the next ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Like it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it's... Like, like I understand what it's doing, and there's a montage. I get, and the, that last shot in the montage was very nice, where it's like the sun is setting and it's winter, but. It, it all happens in like five minutes and it just by the end of it he watches the speech and gets it just completely as a viewer completely destroys any like sense of of uh weight that it had yeah like why not end the movie with him like if you're gonna play that card and you're gonna have it hard hitting end the movie like that or i mean you don't have to end it just like that but don't have him come out back in spider-man outfit saving a dumbass kid and it just back to normal within less than ten minutes of us seeing the love of his life die. Yeah, I think it would have been hell of a lot stronger to just end with him cradling Gwen Stacy, saying, "No, I saved you. I saved you." Credits. Yeah. Or you don't even need that. You, if you really, if you want to have it a little bit more positive, have the last shot be him at the at the uh, tombstone, and then cut to that uh you know little scene with norman yeah well do you think that was norman or do you think it was doc ock no i meant i meant harry that was oh, his mind harry yeah oh okay we'll get to the we'll get to the after credit it sounded like james earl haley uh, yeah. yeah um because i mean doc ock is the original former of the sinister six and if in the film when we went down to whatever the, the lowest level, when Harry made him go down there, you you see Vulture, you see uh, Goblin, you see Doc Ock, uh, Rhino, and all yeah. those. And but this character, he he showed up in the last film, like that that dark character with the with the hat. Yeah. So I mean, well, could that be Doc Ock possibly? And not no. Norman Osborn. I'm gonna say it's the gentleman. That's an actual guy who forms the Sinister Six with everyone. Uh, it, he's yeah, he's basically just a dude that gets everyone together. Hmm. I mean, cause also, isn't, isn't Doc Ock the original person who got him together? And the or was it? It was the gentleman. I. I've not read any of this. I'm just looking. Oh. From what I've looked up, it 
he formed it. I don't know if he formed it with Doc Ock. I can see that. I can see okay. it the other way. This also begs the question: Does in, in the next movie are we going to see quick shots of a ghost Gwen Stacy looking at the camera? Oh, I'm <laughs> sure we will. Oh, Probably. there's definitely, gonna... or at least flashbacks to her falling. <laughs> we have Force ghosts and Yoda. Yeah, God, I hope so. <laughs> and by All the right. way, I guess you know, you know, fuck Uncle Ben. He doesn't get a ghost shot. <laughs> That's at the end of the third movie, where everything's uh, good. Again, they blow up the Death Star, and then you see right, right. Stacy, <laughs> Captain Stacy, and Uncle Ben. Nub nub place. And it's like, oh, we forgot about Uncle Ben before. Uh, but they'll get a younger Uncle Ben. They'll get someone else. On exactly. The It'll be for, for the prequel. It'll be Charlie, Charlie Sheen. Sheen. Yeah, it'll be Charlie Sheen. Winning. All right. <laughs> on that note, why don't we move over to X Men? Nice job, guys. I like that one. <laughs> If I could save time in a bottle The first thing that I'd like to do Is to save every day Till eternity passes away Just to spend them with you If I could make days last forever if words could make wishes come true I'd save every day like a treasure And then again I would spend them with you But there never seems to be enough time To do the things you want to do once you find them I've looked around enough to know Days of Future Past. Uh, basically, in this movie, everyone from the first trilogy of the X-Men comes back to life after Wolverine goes back in time and changes history. Which, which I, you'd think like something like that would play badly. Like, but I, I think the biggest, the biggest, and I loved it. Um, at least the the last third of it. The I think the biggest uh, strength that comes from that plot line is sadly the weakness of the continuity of the first <laughs> trilogy. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, because you really don't like you love the characters and your relationship with the characters more than whatever happened in those three movies. So. Seeing well, them is like, oh yay! Wait, none of that happened. Ah, who cares? Well, for me, I guess this this movie was technically it was it was screw everything else in the original trilogy. First class started the whole new plus Wolverines, screw, or not Wolverines, Origins. Screw yeah, Origins. screw Origins and screw the original trilogy, yeah. and then X Men First Class basically rebooted everything. Right. And I'm okay with that. So am I. Totally okay with it. And okay, but let, let's talk about the storyline or get down to the. I mean that that's basically it. In in a you nutshell. want me to do a really brief summary? I I mean go for it. Yeah. Okay. So basically, uh, the movie starts in a post-apocalyptic future where these uh, machines called Sentinels, uh, these sort of they're basically indestructible machines that are basically uh, finding all the mutants and taking them out and killing anyone who's helping mutants. So basically, it's this is a there are barely any mutants left. Everyone's dying. It's awful. And uh, 
Ellen Page's character, um, Kitty Pride, Kitty Pride, uh, figures out a way. Like, if we can send somebody back to the past, that can stop the uh, creation of these Sentinels ever ever being put into to the work. Because basically, these Sentinels were designed by this uh, scientist called Bolivar Trask or Task Trask Trask. Trask. Yeah. Bolivar Trask, played by Peter Dinklage, and what happens? Tyrion what happens in the past? What happened in the past was uh, Mystique killed him, assassinated him, and because of the assassination, the government sort of spearheaded more funding for the Sentinels that eventually got finished, and then they were released, and all hell broke loose. So the idea is Kitty Pride is going to send back Wolverine into his younger self because only Wolverine can survive because he heals. He's going to send his consciousness back to his younger self so that they will stop Mystique from killing Bolivar Trask, and hopefully then the machines will never be built. So Wolverine goes back into the past. He meets with an old or a younger uh, Charles Xavier who's kind of feeling really sad and depressed after the events that happened uh, in first class and Vietnam. Wolverine basically has to convince him that, you know, you're destined to do this. You're actually going to develop into a really nice guy in the future, a really dedicated man. Uh, they help break out Magneto because they need help to stop Mystique. Uh, basically, Magneto turns on them and feels like, well, this is my time to to stop any sort of threat. So I'm just going to kill all of them, Bolivar Trask, the president and everything. And at the end of the movie, Mystique is sort of presented with a choice of you can kill Trask now or take the road of peace. And she convinces to not kill Trask. And then that, based on her sac sacrifice, it's understood that the government decides to be more kind to mutants and they never develop the program. And then Wolverine's consciousness goes back to the future and everything that had happened over the prior films has sort of been rewritten into a much brighter future. Does that do, do a good job? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so where's everybody at on this movie? I loved it. I would say I love is probably, I, I wasn't as gaga as I thought it would be. Uh, I liked it very much. To, and I thought the last third of it was really, I loved the last third of it. I'd probably give it like a B, like a light B plus. That'd probably be where I would well, be on it. Well, for people who've already listened to our X Men uh, podcast that we did a couple months ago, everybody yeah. knows. Everybody knows my biggest freaking most upsetting moment of the Last Stand, and just and that was Cyclops dying. So spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert! <laughs> if you haven't seen X Men: Days of Future Past yet. Cyclops coming back to life was yep. the, cool. the yeah. most biggest payoff I've had in a movie in a while. I, w I literally was so emotionally happy I saw Cyclops again because what pissed me off the most is they killed off so many people in the last stand. Right. And they, and they didn't need to. And killed them for no reason. Without yeah, any and, yeah, and there was no reason to do it. Yeah. But that's what Days of Future Past made up for those mistakes that they had prior. Though I think it's movie. funny that again, I I'm not I do not read comics. I I, I watched the X Men uh, um, Fox series cartoon series a shitload when I was a kid, um, and I've seen all the X Men films and generally enjoyed them. But it's funny when I saw Cyclops, I was also incredibly happy, and it was awesome. But then at the same time, I thought like, why am I happy? <laughs> I, I, in no way have I seen anything in the other in any of the other movies that have really made me like a fan of Cyclops, and I realized I was more happy just by the idea of Cyclops being alive than I was 
like <laughs> at, at all about how he was presented. Like, oh, it's Cy- uh, Cyclops has laser eyes. That's great. <laughs> Which is, I feel like a movie viewer who just sees the movies is going to be less psyched to see Cyclops alive than the comic book people who are going to be like, finally, we can do it right. Mm-hmm. Like, finally. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, like I said, Cyclops is my favorite X-Men. And he always has been. A lot of people. Since, since the comics and what they how, how they did him wrong. Yeah. At that And just to bring him back, even if he doesn't even show up again, just to know that he was alive and he survived made me extraordinarily happy. I'll say one thing that I don't know if I've talked about it here before, but I'm a big stickler when it comes to time travel logic. Like, that can sometimes, like, inadvertently break a movie for me. Like, just because I'll obsess over it too much. This movie was pretty, and I'm pretty obsessed with the, the logic. This movie was pretty airtight. I got to say that I, I, I don't. Ha- <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you, you disagree? Uh, time travel wise, I could agree with that. Yeah. But you uh, have, you have, you have continuity issues. I mean, still, but like I said, I like, no, 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 no. I mean, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, oh, oh yeah. In terms of like the shit, like professor Xavier just shows up in a wheelchair and Wolverine has his adamantium claws, even though at the end of the Wolverine, he doesn't anymore. Yeah, that shit. I mean, this movie's never been good to continuity. But in terms of time travel logic, which the whole movie is based around, I found it to be very, very tight and very self-explanatory, which is hard to do. It didn't it didn't become its own thing. It kind of this was there and they let it be and it, it worked out well. But how did Kitty Pride figure out she has this power? Where did this power come from? Who gives who gives a shit? Uh, yeah, I mean, watching the movie, it's not an issue. When you stop and think about right. it for a second, then it's like, what is going on? Like, well, I would argue the would one argue time that Wolverine snaps out of it and is like, yeah, his consciousness goes back to the future is the one time that it's really inconvenient for that to happen. Like any other time, he could have been fine. Like it was the one moment in the movie where he was really needed to stop magneto from doing that oh of course well i mean that's plot you know you're not gonna have him break up when they're having a muffin it's just there's there's so much of that coincidental convenience oh yeah as far as the storytelling goes in this movie oh yeah no i'm not i'm again i again light b plus i would i (laughs) i agree with you there's a there's the yeah uh, my biggest problem with it was probably the first third of it when, or at least the first 20 minutes when it just felt like I was getting just exposition after exposition, but none of it like had any weight. Like it was just like, it, it was so fast paced that mm-hmm. it never let anything sit. And it's like, I understand as a comic book fan, if you know the story already, you're just like giddy over it. But as a film person who hasn't seen people like uh, Charles Xavier, the older Charles Xavier in what? Uh, six years, maybe more. You need Except to give for me the some cameo, breathing. right? You need to give me some breathing room to reintroduce these characters. And also, why is yeah. he alive? Right. Why is he alive? How is why is he in a wheelchair again? Mm-hmm. And again, why does Wolverine have metal claws? Um, that one can be yeah, explained. First, Magneto uh, put the claws back on. Okay, moving on. Like, like he just he just did it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they needed his help. Obviously, the middle claws are going to work better against the Sentinels. 
Sure. That one's explainable. I can move on from that. Xavier, uh, supposedly his consciousness got back into somebody else's body, but then why does he look like Xavier? Why is he still in a wheelchair? That, like, that... I can I can explain that. He likes to, he likes to roll around. That's how he rolls. That's how... That should have been a line. Why are you still in a wheelchair, Charles? Because that's how I roll. <laughs> Instant A plus for me. Uh... Yeah, right. <laughs> Though I will say, again, you know, too fast paced in the beginning. Too many people just showing up without any sort of breathing room. But I will mm-hmm. say, the way they did the combat was really well done. And mm-hmm. like the way that Blink makes the portal, and then the, the blade goes through it through the other portal. That the way it was choreographed was very good. Why it took place in the uh, extremely bland warehouse, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but the actual like way they used all the powers and how brutally they were all murdered was really well done. That it's hard uh, as big budget. Fans, Not only once, but twice. Right. As big budget <laughs> fans, it's hard. We've seen so much destruction in movies. It's hard to come up with a a new villain or any form of destruction that actually like has weight. Like when you watch man of steel, it might be a big, like fucking world being exploded, but we've seen that so many times, or at least feels like we have. Mm. So I want to give big props to the movie for making those enemies really scary and truly feeling like they really can't be defeated. Like they definitely, they did a very good job at that. And, and overall the acting was fantastic in the movie. I actually, you don't most, think so? I think mostly it was. Um, I was uh, first class is my favorite, so I'll put that out there right now easily. Um, and I thought the acting in first class was unbelievable from start to uh, start to top to bottom. I think in this one, the main three, Wolverine and McAvoy and Fassbender, are also excellent. However, I thought Jennifer Lawrence was not that good. There are a lot of line readings. I was sad. Like I thought she was awesome in first class. I agree. She just didn't have anything to do in this movie. Yeah. Even though the big climax of the movie revolves around her decision, we don't really feel the weight of it because she was more of a MacGuffin than an actual character in this movie. Right. And and it's also like, it kind of would have been, no offense, but it kind of would have been more effective if it was Magneto who did it. Because we know Magneto... Magneto was fucking evil. So when we get to that point, it would be a big deal. It's like Magneto, you don't have to. Your your way of viewing the world does not have to be that. Like consider another option. With Mystique, she's never been that known of a character, so it's not like we have no really point of reference. And Magneto's in the future still. Like it's Magneto right. and Charles Xavier who send Wolverine back. Right. So having the big climax come down to Magneto and Charles having that conversation. Right. Because it also would have been a great scene in the beginning where they were like, what happened? And Magneto would be like, I killed him. Mm-hmm. You know, I murdered well, him. Well, even if it wasn't, like, him killing Trask that started it off, even if everything else was the same, just at the end, Magneto right. had to make that decision. Right. It would have yeah. been a lot better. It would have been way more. Also, there's, like, not really. There's one moment in the future where. Are we recording? Yes. I mean, there's one moment in the future where a very brief, nicely played, but too brief moment where they're sitting and McKellen says, oh, all the years we wasted. And that was a nice moment, but I really wish they really don't have many scenes together, McKellen Mm -hmm. and Stewart. And I I, I know that this is a big movie. They've got to chuckle a lot of stuff. 
But again, that goes with what we were saying about having Magneto do it. If you had balanced, if you'd had him be the instigator at the end and balanced that with scenes from the future, you really could have felt that regret. Because the whole theme of the movie is, you know, we can be better. We, we don't have to take the violent stance. Well, I think... And well, so- and, oh, sorry, can finish? No, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, what I was saying is the reason, I mean, yeah, it would have been better if he killed him, but for Mystique, that's how the Sentinels were able to um, mimic the super, the other powers to be unstoppable. Yeah, but they have her, they have her blood at the end. Well, but no, but you notice that he said he needed brain tissue. He needed bone marrow. He needed more than just her blood. Well, they could have changed it. Just, you know, a line, line change. Yeah. We have the blood. We're good. Um, Let's talk about Quicksilver. Oh, he stole the freaking movie oh, man. by far. He was. That's I, thought, a, yeah. I thought he was gonna. I thought it was just gonna be. I thought he was gonna be a shitty character. I think everyone he, thought that based on the look of him. Yeah, but he yeah. it worked out perfectly. I loved every moment he was in. I wish he was in more, but I understand that you don't want to over overdo it because he could become grating if you but leave him in too much. Story wise, it doesn't make sense for him to not be in more. Yeah, right. You know, they they need his help, especially <laughs> like he. I believe they said he lived down from down the street from Washington. Okay, yeah. he's super fast. As soon as he sees, you know, the stadium drop out of the sky, go take out Magneto. Even if they yeah, I mean, don't call him. Always, <laughs> when you when you deal with let's stop the future from you know, all of that, there's always the the questions of like, well, why didn't you just go back further in time and I don't know, kill Trask. It might have been morally insensitive, but it would have solved everything easier. Like before he even started developing shit. Yeah. It's the old, you know, that old, but that's a rabbit hole you go down that you Fixed never come point back in time. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that scene uh, in the Pentagon was fantastic. Apparently, it was added very late in the filming. Really? I, and I think that was... that's the one that stands out, except maybe the ending. That's the one that stands out in my head more than anything else. Well, I, I just thought it, that was probably the best scene in the movie, too. Yeah, it was great. I mean, really him, well. <laughs> the music, everything worked perfectly. That's a, that's an example of music that's on the nose, but totally necessary. Like, it's perfect. Yeah, it's like, super cheesy, and yet it works. Yeah. yeah. And you know what else I loved? He's like when Quicksilver was talking to Magneto, or, or and he's like, hey, my mom knew a guy who could do metal. And, and I love that because it was a nod to because right. Magneto's his dad, but they can't legally say it. Yeah, and so that that was a nice that was a nice it nod. Could just be another dude who likes metal. Well, we well, there's really not any other mutants that we know that can. Who said anything metal. about mutant? Yeah, it likes metal. What you don't like metal? <laughs> don't you remember the second mutant? movie? It's a recessive gene carried on by the males. Like it could just be some blacksmith. It also could just be, you know, I don't know, like a guy who likes metal music. Maybe it was right. in the mom. Well, wait, yeah. just shoot me down, guys, okay? Thanks a lot. Who's actually a roadie for poison. <laughs> you don't want Disney's lawyers coming down to you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> can't say that shit here. Um, I, uh, I really like the way that Wolverine interact with Beast. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really well done. You don't know it yet, but we're going to be best friends. Right. I don't want your future. 
again, Beast, uh, you know, another thing where I'm just like, that's only fun for me because I know Beast is a giant blue guy. <laughs> the movie never really made me fall in love with Beast. But seeing Wolverine, I'm like, oh, it's Wolverine and Beast. Yeah, and, and I like I like the serum that he came up with, like how it made sense. Oh, hey, why why are you uh, normal? Right. Um, and I like the transition from Charles realizing it was bigger than himself that he needed to stop being such a druggie. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't a druggie, but he technically was a druggie. Though, again, continuity, you know, uh, continuity, exclamation mark, that implies that in the original timeline, there were years where he was just drugged up and then eventually just was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Not anymore. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Yeah, I think Charles is really the only character we saw enough of and enough of a change in, which is the exact problem I knew we were going to have as soon as I heard the casting. It's like, oh, we've got everybody. Oh, well, we're not going to be able to explore anybody. Right, right, yes. That's absolutely true. Uh, But Um, he has a very solid arc. We see a distinct difference from an extreme growth from where he was at the beginning of the movie. Uh, right. Again, I'm glad that could have seen that in Magneto would have been incredible movie. There are other villains in the X-Men universe. So <laughs> a lot. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I, again, this leads to another problem, which is sequelitis. You know, if uh-huh. this was the, cause by the end of the movie, it feels like this could be the last one. And chronologically, that's how it kind of feels. I mean, everything is delightful at the end. What more can you do? Uh, and in that regard, yes, I would have had Magneto uh, be also somebody who goes through the change. However, if you're going to make more, I think it's important to make him still an antagonist. Because, I mean, you know, it follows the line of the last movie where Magneto's just starting to be this antagonist. And then at the end of this one, he's pointing guns at, you know, the president. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I wish there was more for other characters. Though I am glad that Wolverine didn't get any because by this time I'm a little Wolverined out. Yeah. So I'm glad that it was just he's just there being a hero, helping shit out. Like, well, he did fun. have some development, but it was it was it was really more of a regression, and that happened in the last two minutes of the movie when you realize Jean Grey is alive. Okay, but we just spent an entire movie in the Wolverine of him getting over Jean Grey. Right. And now he's back longing for Jean Grey. Oh, and Scott's alive, so he can't have Jean Grey. Right. The best, again, the best part of this movie is that the other ones were, except maybe X2 and First Class, are not that great. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't feel like I've missed, you know, a lot. But yeah, it's it's gotta be mad for the people who made the Wolverine. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck your movie. <laughs> no, I, I think even if you haven't seen any of the X-Men prior to X-Men Days of Future Past, you'll be okay. Uh, be completely... Maybe except for Days of Future Past. Uh, maybe except for First Class. I think First Class is important to see. Yeah, I think you'll be okay. I don't think you're going to get a full experience without watching the other ones. Yeah. But, uh Yeah. Uh, I think also the, the 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 biggest problem I'm going to have with the movie, and this is not a knock on the movie itself, but is rather that there's another one. That's really going to diminish, in my mind, 
Like well, you have this that giant... there's another one, and they're planning on it since at least halfway through making this movie. Right. Because this movie, you have the literally probably the biggest stake you can imagine. And at the end, everything is fine. And then the next movie is just going to be, hey, guess what? Now it's some giant, powerful mutant guy. And now, now it's going to be an apocalypse. And it's like, didn't we just see that? Didn't they yeah. just fix that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think because they changed the timeline or whatever, he's coming back or he's being, I don't know. Um, but because apparently they're using the first class cast for Apocalypse. Right. So, Which I'm happy about. I prefer that cast. That's the I'm smarter happy. way to go. Yeah. yeah. Though, how awesome would it be if th- this is the best thing they could do? And they'll never do this because none of the actors will agree. But if they just said fuck it and just made somehow brought the old cast back and just made the Dark Phoenix again, just with like lack of any continuity, <laughs> like just completely like didn't like none of the other movies happen. Alternate universe. Right. Ultimate X Men. Ultimate X Force. X Force. X Force. Solid. Also, where was Nightcrawler? Fuck that. Well, uh, apparently he's going to show him and Gambit are supposed to show up in Apocalypse. Okay. But so... we haven't seen him since X-Men 2, so I'm not as shocked by yeah. that one. Well, and it's I'm official. Not, I love They brought back Beast, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Yep. Or Nightcrawler, damn it. <laughs> well, he's more of a loner though. I mean, he he it's was true. always a loner. I mean, he was whenever he needed whenever they needed him, he'd come, but um, but with uh, Gambit is officially going to be an apocalypse, and that's being played by Channing Tatum, which I'm okay with. That's officially Channing Tatum. Yes, it's officially Channing Tatum as Gambit. Sweet. I'm okay with it. I think you'll play a good Gambit. How's his accent? That's the one thing that. Uh, well, he grew probably up probably awful. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. I've gone down to New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's really hard to have that. I mean, you gotta. Oh, you nice. probably gonna have to hang out with a lot of Louisianans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cajuns, Latin Cajuns. Yep. All right. One last, uh, big problem with the movie. Not big problem, just big annoyance with the movie, is that the big climax is with the characters we never see. Like we, like the very end of the movie we see oh no the sentinels are here there's gonna be a huge battle i mean which first off that's been building up the entire movie and it's with none of the characters we get to see developed uh i talk about like warpath and all them yeah first off what's warpath's power like he's, we a, he's get like a no su- semblance of that in the movie He's hand-to-hand combat. He's got, like, super hearing, super sight. Yeah. He has super senses and apparently flight, according to Wikipedia. Oh, um, I didn't know he could fly. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. But, like... Yeah, hey, I agree. I agree. We spend 90... 85% of our time in the past. And then the giant epic battle is in the future where we've seen all these people die before, but that's all we've seen of them. That's true. I, I think that's a fair criticism, though I think it still works just because of how fucking brutal it was. Yes. 
and I just, agree with that. Yeah. Well, and I guess, and I guess they're playing off the hope that you know who these X Men are already. Mm-hmm. If you're which, an X Men fan, which is again is why I say if you haven't right. seen the others, this is a disservice. Yeah, right. But even then, like we've never seen Warpath or Blink before, or, or fake Pyro. Bishop and was in the kind. Movies, in the movies, who cares about Storm? Yeah. No. Uh, well, Bishop, I loved Bishop. I loved. I know he was just literally had nothing, but I just loved Bishop himself, the character. He's he, pretty sweet. He was pretty cool. I don't understand what he did besides channel energy that he got zapped with Into through his gun. Well, it, it's prior. It's he can he can take energy and then x out the energy. Not necessarily. I don't know. I've never really seen a gun with bishop before but it's usually like he could have done it with like his hands and stuff like that but originally he's from the future like the future future mm-hmm. and he comes back and then he gets stuck oh jesus <laughs> <laughs> so they try to put that subplot in there bishop what's your backstory oh i was from the i was from the future i was from a farther future man this future sucks but you should have seen my future <laughs> right right you should see that. Uh, sure. Sweet. So, yeah. yeah I, I think it's pretty inarguable that this is better than Spider-Man 2. Or Amazing oh, Spider-Man 2. Not even not even close. Yeah. Uh, I think With the, the plot holes movie, in this movie are bigger, but I think everything else is handled better. Yeah. So that they're not really an issue. Yeah. Agreed. That also, like, a- everything, but also acting-wise, it's just, like, there's gravitas in this movie. Like, legitimate. Because the, the director the knows what with, he's doing. Right. A scene on the plane with Fassbender and McAvoy. And you should have fought harder. The scene with McAvoy and, uh, uh, you know, Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I mean, there's real, I mean, even when there's a lot, it can be somewhat convoluted, there's real weight by the end of the movie, like legitimate weight that you really feel the stakes and the, the caring for the characters. And I will say it's impressive that they literally just throw Wolverine away. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty ballsy move, like not ballsy, but it's impressive. You know, they, they, the movie franchise has spent so much fucking time building him up as the main hero. It's cool that they were just like, Nope, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. He can't do shit right now. It just makes me wish that they'd used Kitty pride as the person who goes back because She's the one in the comics. And Ellen Page is great, and I would have loved to see what she could do. Yeah. But I also don't see how it would have worked. Right. That's a that's an argument that I think every comic book fan would have had, and they would have expressed it to the executives, and the executives would have laughed in everyone's face. But yeah. they made it work. They made it logical. Like, right. like you want Ellen Page instead of Hugh Jackman? <laughs> <laughs> She's a lesbian. Did you see that... Uh, that Stephen Colbert is like, so I heard you came out as a Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I didn't see. That. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. Um, so one last thing. Do you guys really think that JFK was a mutant? In real life. Or in the world of the movie. Uh, I mean, he could have so. said that just to get him off his back. Right. He has a very high libido. <laughs> that he does. That's his power. I mean, it, it's a it's up for debate. I mean, 
Maybe. So I, I did. You might have saw this on my on my Facebook. But I will say that to me, the most interesting interesting thing about the time travel in this movie is is the movie implying that in this new timeline, Richard Nixon is one of the most beloved American presidents. Yeah, brilliant. I, I think that's that's a legitimate possibility. He brought in a like he's gonna like for years to come, he will be held up as like an icon from the mutant community as being the peaceful president who who brought peace to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> also, they've got the sympathy card because he was almost, you know, killed. Right. So that's a weird America. Yeah, America. America. Also, the movie says that those those missing minutes on the tape—that's because he was talking about mutants, right? Yeah. Because he's like, turn that tape off. I didn't that even was... pick up on that part. Nice. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it, what it implies. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying at this point. All right. Yeah. Uh, well, let's wrap this up with some credits and then go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> when life leaves you high and dry, I'll be at your door tonight. If you need help, if you need help, I'll shut down the city lights. I'll lie, cheat, I'll beg and bribe to make you well, to make you well. Enemies are at your door, I'll carry you away from more If you need help, if you need help Your hope dangling by a string I'll share in your suffering to make you well To make you well Give me reasons to believe That you would do the same for me And I would do it for you You're gone, gone, gone. When you fall like a statue, I'm gonna be there to catch you. Who's up first? I'll go first. Godzilla, go see it. It's I like it's it. fun. And then you'll see uh, the two, and it's kind of funny that uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Emily Olsen are playing husband and wife, and they're gonna be playing brother and sister. That is weird. In Voltron. Oh, um, is that who those were? They both looked super familiar, but I couldn't recognize yeah, it's, them. Yeah, it's Aaron, it's Aaron Taylor Johnson's playing Quicksilver, and then Emily Olsen's playing uh-huh. Scarlet Witch. Interesting. The, the, the characters probably didn't help. Zing. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. The, it's great. Um, Brian Cranston is great. He makes you care about his son, who's the main character in the movie, uh, which is good because otherwise that probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, it, it It's not what you expect if you just hear the title Godzilla, at least if you're me and don't have massive knowledge of past Godzilla movies. Except for 1998, Matthew Broderick, Godzilla, just get that out of your I brain. I loved that movie. It was the best. When I was, I was kid, also I, tagged. I, I absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I had the toy, but I had the I, toy. I rewatched I, yeah. it. I rewatched it, and I was like, "Damn, this sucks." This yeah, is not Godzilla. I haven't, I haven't seen it since like 2000. I can imagine. <laughs> I haven't seen it since theaters. So, 
Uh, I'm gonna keep it that way. But yeah, it's it's a heck of a lot of fun. Go see it on the biggest screen possible. Uh, Andrew. Uh, I had a hard time on this because there's nothing like new that I've really been that excited about. So this is, I'm, I'm just going to, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go back to a couple shows that I think I've previously recommended, but as a, as a chance to now that they're wrapped, one of them's wrapped up and one of them is wrapping up. And if you want to check them out, um, first one is the Americans, which just wrapped up the second season. Uh, uh I haven't been, watched the last like episode. Unbelievable finale. Yeah. I haven't watched like the last four. And, Fantastic. Probably one of the best. The last 20 minutes of that episode is just like shooting on all cylinders. It totally rewrites the way the show is going to be. Nice. It probably it's one of my favorite last shots of any episode of TV I've ever seen. Um, yeah, it's it. so if you haven't seen the show, I, you definitely have to start from the beginning. Uh, but it just keeps getting better and better. It is it easily hit its peak at this finale. Uh, so definitely try to check that out. I'm not sure the best way to do it at this point. Uh, maybe Amazon. Uh, it's Amazon Prime. It's on yeah. the season's on Amazon Prime. Right. So, uh, also, uh, I think it's at its maybe seventh, eighth episode at this point. Fargo, another show that I put, uh, I've mentioned before, that has also just gotten I, as much as I thought its pilot was amazing. It's just gotten steadily, other than the pilot, better and better, uh, and it's really hitting a narrative peak right now. A lot of shits coming together. Uh, it's only ten episodes. So I believe you can watch some on the FX app. I'm not positive, but I believe you can. Uh, again, ten episodes, not that hard of a of a commitment. But that's another show that's really just doing gangbusters right now. Is that also uh, on Amazon Prime? It's still airing. So, so I don't, do they do that when it's still airing? Yeah, I don't have it. I don't know. I'll check it out. Yeah. Okay. Definitely check those two out. I, I, I uh, second those. Yeah, FX bringing the big guns. You'll see both of those shows on the you know best of, best of TV this year, no doubt. Critics list. FX yeah. has been killing it for years. They've just started getting louder about it. Yeah, yeah, and smarter. Louis also. I mean, Louis. Oh, uh, Louis fantastic. But, yeah, I mean. I'm catching up. I I had only seen the first like one and a half, two seasons. I didn't see season three, and I'm watching season four all right now. So I'm I'm building. I'm actually rewatching all of the show. But let's yeah, just, it's let's just fantastic. say basically anything on FX is a good. Uh, thing. For, unless it stars Charlie Sheen, you're probably gonna be yeah okay. yeah. Except for anger management, but everything else. Although I know a guy on that show. Do you now, Charlie Sheen? Aldo Gonzalez. Oh. He he plays one of the guys in the group therapy sessions. Uh, yeah. So Tyler, what do you got? All right. Well, I got the Showtime show Penny Dreadful. Stars Eva Green, Josh Hartnett, Timothy Dalton. Sold. Um, <laughs> it's a great show. Uh, basically, um, it, what it is, it's they take pl- it's it's. It's a mixture of all the monsters. You got Frankenstein and his monster. You got vampires. You have, uh, well, I mean, that's what's basically what it's been so far. Uh, vampires, and then you have Dorian Gray as well. If you don't know who Dorian Gray is, he's a. Uh, he doesn't like paintings. Yeah, he does. Well, he doesn't like painting them himself. Um, who does though? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, 
but no, it's a great show. It's on its fourth episode. I started watching the fourth episode before our podcast and haven't finished it yet, but it's a great show. Check it out. Showtime. Um, actually, a lot of shows on Showtime have been really good. House of Lies, Shameless. Um, really good shows. Episodes is even really good, too. Starring Matthew LeBlanc. Um, but yeah, that's about it. And Game of Thrones, as always. Jeez, last week's episode. Oh, man. Ugh. Don't even get me started. But yep, that's my recommendations. Yeah, Penny Dreadful. I've heard great things. Haven't got a chance. And, and it's and it's it was created by Sam Mendes, of uh, James Bond fame. And John Logan. Yes, and then uh, he, yeah. So you got good people running it. Awesome. We'll but. be checking that one out. Does it make up for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? That's real yes. Question. Yes. I uh, love that movie. Tentacle. It is not a good movie, but I love it. Oh, I agree too. I love it too. Sean Connery. I'm Sean Connery. He punched the director on the set of that movie. Yeah. That's nice. a bad idea. He was like, you suck. And then he punched him. <laughs> this movie is awful. This movie is awful. I'm Sean Connery. Anal bum covers. Anal bum covers. Anal Trebek. Penis might you. Your mother, Trebek. Moo. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, cool. A lot of good recommendations. Um, I'm, I'm curious on the... the in, in regarding uh, Days of Future Past, what would the order be? Where would that fit in your uh, X-Men favorites? Uh, I'd say right below two... I think it mine goes first class, then two, then Days of Future Past, then one. Daniel, that's mine too. Uh, twinsies. Oh, I agree with that, but I mean it's kind of X two and first class. Yeah, top they're of my top. they're pretty hand in hand. Yeah, I'm gonna Parts edit out that twinsies comment. That's awkward. Don't you dare do it. You keep it in. Yeah, parts of Days of Future Past I think are better than X two. Parts of X two are better than Days of Future. I, I kind of. I, I I think I would flip flop, but I'd say X two probably a little bit, a little bit better. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, all right. Well, as always, thank you for listening. That was a podcast. If you want to check out our other shows, you can do so at almproductions.net. If you want to just leave us some feedback, uh, shoot us an email at thecinemasters at gmail dot com. Go to our website at thecinemasters dot blogspot dot com. Or you could give us a call at 404-594-2567 and leave us a voicemail. Yeah, leave us a voicemail, people. We know you're listening. Give us suggestions on what to do because we don't know what we're doing next. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. As always, I'm Daniel James. And I'm Andrew Miller. And I'm Tyler Crouch. And that certainly was a podcast. Yes, I, I came in too quick. I'm sorry. It's been a while. It's been a Jump while. Gun.
The Cinemasters Podcast is an autological media productions podcast. You can leave us feedback at thecinemasters.blogspot.com or send us an email at thecinemasters at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes and like us on Facebook and go over to almppodcasts.blogspot.com to check out our other shows. As always, thank you for listening. I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye!